Howdy, everybody. This is a five-minute crypto update for Wednesday, May 17th. We've got some fun crypto history, Cosmos talk, Solana experiments, US macro, three arrows gossip, and a lot more. Bitcoin is in a range. It's currently at 27,060. ETH is a little bit stronger. It's currently at 1820. Uh, Some greens this week include Ripple token, perhaps because there was a judgment against the SEC, uh, Decentraland's Mana, and Litecoin. All right, what's going on in crypto land? So I wanted to start out with a few kind of short historical snippets that I found really interesting. Uh, One is about Mt. Gox. So for new crypto followers who aren't familiar with it, it was the original exchange. And I just wanted to read this passage about it. So Mt. Gox opened in 2010 when developer Jeb McCaleb repurposed his game card trading website, Magic the Gathering Online Exchange, to create crypto's first centralized exchange. It caught on fast, growing to manage about 70% of all BTC transactions. In 2011, McCaleb sold a majority interest to programmer and Bitcoin entrepreneur Mark Carpellis. In 2014, the exchange collapsed after 750,000 Bitcoin, then worth $22 billion, was stolen. It was then 7% of all BTC in circulation. And the next little bit of crypto history is from Ordinal Enjoyer on Twitter. And he just shared a screenshot of the first Bitcoin trade for something other than cash. It was asking 500 Bitcoins for a desktop background pick on Bitcoin Talk. And this was back in January 24 of 2010. So more than 13 years ago. Kind of crazy. All right, now on to more crypto alpha. Uh, We have a thread from Zamario Macedo about Cosmos. This guy works at Delphi and Delphi Labs is known to be incubating projects on Cosmos and is very bullish on it. Delphi itself is a kind of a multi-pronged crypto investor, researcher, and builder. And just a few takeaways from this thread, which is full of alpha and information on new projects on Cosmos. Uh, Cosmos is finally getting its native USDC stablecoin via a project called Noble. And DYDX is a big exchange, a a DEX, that moved to the Cosmos app chain in 2022 and will launch their V4 on Cosmos. Okay, next we have uh, something, just a fascinating demonstration of what you can do on Solana for just $1. Uh, from ThugGod6666 on Twitter. And it's also kind of a beautiful illustration of what blockchain uniquely enables. It's just all this experimentation and all permissionless, and you can do it for relatively cheap depending on the chain. So what he did for less than $1 is he bought and burned an NFT. He participated in an on-chain raffle. He added liquidity as an LP with some of that money. And after doing all these different things, he still had 25 cents left, which is pretty amazing. And I guess testament to Solana's low transaction fees, although it is a double-edged sword. Okay, next we have Rune Christensen, who is the MakerDAO founder. He tweeted out Maker's roadmap and strategy. Uh, Just to quote directly from it, it involves a new brand, new stablecoin, and governance token, six new sub-DAOs distributed through farming and governance AI tools. And according to DeFi Llama, uh, MakerDAO's DAI stablecoin is the fourth-ranked stablecoin with a current market cap of $4.6 billion. It's behind Binance USD and just ahead of TrueUSD. 
Okay, next we have a really good long macro thread from Dunleavy89 on Twitter. It's about U.S. debt and the choices that are available to the federal government to try to fix this problem. And just to quote little bits from it, he says, Consumers are dealing with the tightest financial conditions in 50 years. They can't afford to continue to pay up and above inflation. He also said, The market is pricing U.S. default as the most likely it's ever been. Okay, next in the crypto gossip files, we have disgraced Three Arrows Capital founder Sue Zhu. He's filed a restraining order in Singapore court against Arthur Hayes, the BitMEX founder. Arthur apparently had been tweeting at Sue and Kyle that they still owe him $6 million from 3AC's failure. And Suzu decided to uh, file a restraining order so Arthur can no longer tweet at him or communicate to him. Uh, 3AC has claims. If you remember 3AC, they're the failed hedge fund that was once a star in the crypto community. And they have claims in excess of $1 billion from their creditors after the hedge fund's failure due to leverage bets on Terra Luna, Grayscale's GBTC, among others. In a move sure to upset some Bitcoin maxis, Michael Saylor was on a recent podcast, the uh, Patrick Bet David podcast, and he said that all the recent activity on Bitcoin has been a good thing because it drives up transaction fees. And we'll include a snippet of this in the show notes. Um, so Bitcoin fees are at their highest level in years, and ordinals and BRC20 transactions are half or more of that activity and growing. We have a fascinating story from the author of the book Fraud Coin. It's not directly related to crypto, but it is tangential. And according to him, the Norwegian krone has become a shitcoin. Uh, he, he has a long explanation. He also wrote a book on it. And he says, in the period 2002 to 2022, so 20 years, the money supply increased by as much as 7% on average per year. Over time, this differential results in the value of the krone being diluted considerably more than the value of the euro. How do you think that this affects the exchange rate? The krone has depreciated by an average of 2% per year against the euro. And as mentioned in the introduction, the result is a roughly 50% depreciation in 20 years. And this is uh, back to Kevin here. So my takeaway is just that inflation almost always hurts workers, middle class and lower classes far more than upper classes, because the upper class is more likely to own investment assets, own their house, they're closer to the money printer, and they benefit from what's called the Cantillon effect. Okay, next we have a great description of ZK rollups from the Pantera Capital partner, Paul Veratitakit. He has a great weekly newsletter. He does these crypto deep dives as well as a brief news roundup. And he's talking about the differences between Ethereum's zero knowledge and optimistic rollups. And just to quote from it, he says, rollups have quickly become important tools for addressing Ethereum's fundamental speed and cost inefficiencies. The two main solutions, optimistic and zero-knowledge rollups, offer creative solutions to the problem. Using cryptographic proofs, ZK rollups seem to offer a more secure solution. However, optimistic rollups offer high EVM compatibility, which could serve as a crucial buffer until a ZK EVM is introduced. Xerox Coffee, who is just an astute writer, data analyst. I really appreciate his, his writings. In this issue, he provides a great description of how projects use their own token incentives to drive product usage. And to quote, he says, the playbook is simple. Pay users with your relatively e-liquid utility token, then watch usage soar and earn revenue in valuable tokens. 
then DGENs ape into your token because they see the revenue and usage, then token value pumps, making incentives even more tempting. Finally, rinse and repeat. Last, since we're running a bit long here, and we'll, we'll save the remaining stories for another day. According to Bloomberg and Coindesk, two of the biggest U.S. market makers, Jump Capital and Jane Street, are retreating from crypto trading as regulatory crackdown grows. To quote here, both firms are still making markets and not abandoning the crypto industry entirely, Bloomberg said, citing the person. However, Jane Street is scaling back its global crypto expansion plans, while Jump Crypto, the digital assets trading unit of Jump Trading, is pulling back from U.S. markets, although it's still planning to expand internationally. And this kind of fits in with our theme that, you know, the U.S. is increasingly cracking down on crypto. A lot of projects, entrepreneurs, money is flowing overseas to places like Dubai in the Middle East, Singapore, and so on. Okay, so we'll just end it there for today. All the links are in the show notes. Uh, sorry, it's a few minutes longer than usual. You can follow at 2DGensPod on Twitter and subscribe for more. For our outro clip, we'll have the earlier bit about Sailor talking about ordinals and Bitcoin catalysts. Thank you. There are a lot of other catalysts, right? Every time there's hyperinflation in a place like Argentina, it's a catalyst. Every time a bank fails, it's a catalyst. Every time someone builds an application that's cool on Bitcoin, right? Like all the ordinals and inscriptions and whatever, they're driving up transaction fees. It's catalyst. Every time a company like MicroStrategy buys another $100 million worth of Bitcoin, it's catalyst. Every time a regulator actually clarifies the fact that Bitcoin is a commodity, an asset without an issuer, and it's special, that's catalyst. So lots of catalysts. They're all going to continue the result will be Bitcoin will chop its way up with volatility forever. Just going to keep grinding up. 